Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar. This is where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. This week, I am joined by the one, the only, the slurpin' Alex Lasden. <laughs> uh, thank you, Josh. Um, I'm not going to no, edit out that slurp now because I said that. <laughs> damn it. Well, um, I'd like to introduce myself. Hello. Welcome to Talking Smack. I am your host, Alex. Joining us this week is Josh. Yeah, that doesn't work because you weren't here last week. <laughs> I know. I debated editing myself into the audio, but yeah, limitations. You need the master file, which only I have. You're stuck in your basement. <laughs> which is really sad because that's actually where I'm currently setting up my audio equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, make sure it's treated. I, I will. I'm going to get some bubble wrap around it. Maybe like a, a Tesla coil, Faraday box, all that stuff to make sure it's safe, protected, government free. Isn't it sad how Tesla has become almost like a dirty word all of a sudden? Oh, it's terrible. I heard Tesla coil and I immediately went, ah. Oh, yeah. A little sucker punch to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this week we are going to be talking about our favorite things from 2022, uh, which seems like a great way to kick off the new year is to go back and look at the year. And we're going to talk mostly about things we enjoyed, not go and be like, oh, well, we saw this and this sucked and that sucked because I don't like skewing negative when possible. We're going to skew positive and just talk about the things we really enjoyed last year. And speaking of things we enjoyed, this week's ad is going to be from the movie wire with Justin Henson. And Yay. I know Alex is already, Alex is already swooning. Oh yeah. I, I'm a simple man. When I get that Spotify push, so there's a new episode, I click listen as well. You should. Justin uh, is a very, he's a great reviewer. I wish I, I, I'm so pissed. I missed our avatar episode. Like I was feeling better at the time that I felt like I could sit through three and a half hours of a movie with trailers. But like, I just, I could not find the four hours for like transporting the kids, getting to the theater, getting the kids and then heading back home and recording a podcast within like 24 hours of that event or even within hours of that event. Yeah, well, we missed you. But not really. It was a great episode. You guys should go back and listen. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, Avatar is just killing it at the box office right now. It's as of right now, it's hitting. It just hit 1.3 over the weekend. 1.3 billion, I should say. It is. It has some wild legs at the moment, so we'll see how far it goes. And it really doesn't have any big competition until Ant-Man comes out at the middle of February. Yeah, it comes out Valentine's Day weekend, uh, February 16th. And then the week after that is Cocaine Bear. So it, Avatar has like a month and a half of nothing in its way. I mean, the only thing that can stand in its way is the Chucky knockoff Megan, which comes out the, this next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might get a decent push. That's like counter programming to Avatar. It looks it looks like it could be fun and creepy. So like maybe, but who knows? But I, I think you're you're mispronouncing. It. I think it's like M3 Gin. Oh yes, yeah, right. M3 Gin. Uh, yes. <laughs> to go back to to go back to the ad. I'm sure next week Justin will have a nice review of that. <laughs> So, yeah, I believe Justin should be having his Mithrigan review up this coming week if he gets a critic review. Otherwise, yeah, he should have one, uh, obviously, the week the the movie drops. But here is Justin to talk about his own podcast instead of us poorly talking about it. And we'll be right back. He's on the run from the law, falsely accused of murdering his... Wait, 
Oh, got my scripts mixed up here. Uh, here we go. This makes more sense. The Movie Wire Podcast with host Justin Henson. Hear Justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in to The Movie Wire today. And we are back. We are here to talk about our favorite things from 2022. And we came up with a list of our favorite video games, movies, TV shows, relaxing activities, friend activities, and our favorite comics and or books. We're going to do this kind of basically in the order that I just said, because that's the way I have it laid out. Uh, No real reason other than that. Um, I think we did enlist the caveat that all of these things had to release in the year 2022. So it's not like uh, Ricky and I just started watching Ghosts, which technically debuted in like September, October 2021. So I can't really talk about Ghosts other than the fact that it is good and you should watch it. Definitely. Love Ghosts. So we're going to kick off with our favorite video games from 2022, of which I only have two because I did not get a chance to play a lot of new video games this year. So, Alex, what have you played this year? I will do a I'll immediately break the rules and do a special mention. My wife and I just finished playing a game that came out in 2021 called It Takes Two, which is a lovely uh, couch co-op game with some fascinating mechanics and an adult story in that it is about two adults um who are going through a divorce and how that impacts their child i will say that i will special mention it because i actually really enjoyed it we got it i got it for her as a christmas present because she likes doing couch co-op games with me and we finished it already and it was about 13 14 hours now that that's out of the way to actually stick to 2022 my favorite game that i've played this year was horizon forbidden west um horizon forbidden dawn kind of had the inglorious moment of coming out just as breath of the wild did so it got massively overshadowed but it sold really well this time it came out and a week later elden ring came out (laughs) and so it got super overshadowed again but it's been selling well they're gonna do a vr stuff um netflix apparently is doing a tv show but horizon forbidden west continues the story of aloy Um, in a post-apocalyptic future where humanity screwed itself over and they released basically decided to kind of go underground and release these different ai machines to kind of protectively terraform the world and it went a little wrong and there are now robot dinosaurs and the first game i just played through and just loved this i love the story i love the uh, it was compelling the main character is compelling she's a, um, a young woman who's on a kind of solo adventure and she talks to herself which actually makes sense and while she's kind of pointing out the world she's also kind of lost in it so it's an exploratory model of informing the player of the world but also of her which is great and the sequel just ups that by introducing by she's going to a newer part of the world as the story continues to just um, evolve and i think maybe 120 130 hours into it i it was a day one buy for me because the original property i had bought like well after it came out but when i did and i finished it they had just released the expansion um the frozen wilds and i immediately bought and kept playing that and so i enjoy the little nuances of how they make you care about her and care about her journey and it is a rare game in which the protagonist whether male or female is not romantically involved with anyone she's just on her journey she's capable yes she does have friends who come and assist her but her journey is largely solo 
And she even deals with that. And what emotional kind of trauma and issues that she deals with are her past um, of who she is and who raised her and why she is the only one that is able to do the things that she can. And I just love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still playing through the first game, so I haven't gotten to Forbidden West yet. But it, it is a fantastic mechanic and the, the world is fascinating to move around. Yeah, there's just little things that they do this time um, because you've, they've had four or five years to buff up the engine. I'm playing it still on my PS4 because I haven't been able to get a PS5 and it still looks amazing. And they were they were able to do little things with her now that like like when she's we're moving through like snow and stuff, she'll sometimes just stop. Um, you know, if you let the control idle because you're looking around trying to figure something out, she'll kind of like be in her basic stop animation, but then she'll like roll her shoulders or hug herself. She'll look into the sky. She sometimes tries to catch snowflakes on her tongue. There's like parts where she ba- where you're having to do kind of like um, platforming sections where she's balancing on things and she'll kind of like gently wobble like her body and like shift her arms out. It's these kind of like crazy little nuances that are like, make you more invested that you are kind of only maybe lightly controlling this character and the world just feels good like and there is it is a little oversaturated saturated with so many weapon mechanics and skill mechanics and stuff like that but at the same time it allows you to customize how you want to play the game in the first game especially like there there are certain enemies where you have to like lay traps and trip wires and certain things to to even have a chance at surviving them no matter how powerful of a level you've gotten to the way you you have to fight these monsters robots whatever you have to strategize which is something i don't necessarily do like i booted up uh zero dawn for the first time in a few weeks uh just a couple days ago and i found these like enormous robots that i I was like okay um let's just start shooting arrows and see what happens because i saw it was like a level 36 or something and like the the most important mission that i have or the highest the most difficult mission that i have is like a level 25 so i'm like oh i'm overpowered i'm op i can just take these guys out no you dumbass <laughs> yeah i mean this game continues that like i maxed out eventually everything right before the end and i would still wander into an area and something would smack me and i die and i'm like okay well now i know where that is and i'm going <laughs> to sneak up on it and see what happens but yeah, it's it's a good game that gets overlooked by equally good games. But it was just my favorite because I, I really love a good story for a game. I'll play a, a game with terrible graphics that has a good story. Like I've been playing Vampire the Masquerade a lot, um, Bloodlines, which came out in like 2005 in a half finished state. But fans of it have patched it so that say so that it actually runs well. That has terrible graphics, but a great story. And this is I love the story, and I love when I can feel my can relate to a character so well and i feel protective of a character like um there's a game that came out a while back called hellblade it was a game that dealt a lot with they worked with people um who are experiencing mental issues to make sure that they give this character an accurate journey not a stereotypical hollywood journey and that game was another game that also made me feel super protective like i i want to play this game and win but i want to make sure i don't harm my character in the process (laughs) And I want Aloy to win in Horizon Forbidden West. And I want to see how she reacts with her new friends. And I and I mentioned, I know I mentioned before, but it bears repeating again. They don't put a love plot in this game, which is something you would expect. And I like that. 
she's a solo independent person who is driven on her own and a good role model. Uh, This is basically Sony's breath of the wild. And uh, I think the only thing that they did not really improve on from breath of the wild is the farming mechanic. Like you spend way too much time collecting materials. Yep. You spend way too much time trying to find materials so you can craft new arrows and trap trip mines and everything like just let me find weapons somehow or like let me just be able to manufacture weapons and find arrows so something i will say is that that continues but thankfully there's an inventory system this time but there is something that i will slightly spoil for you um as you beat the game when you beat that game you end up with or you find throughout the process this really badass armor that is kind of overpowered. And at the beginning of this game, they do something that I hate and love at the same time. She comes out and she Aloy is wearing that armor. But she immediately mentions to the person who's talking to her, oh, it got depowered a, like a while back ago <laughs> because it, it does run like on batteries or something like that. Then he's like, hey, what happened to all your other gear? And she went, yeah, it was a rough time. So immediately it's like, okay, back to basics. But, and this is something I love, she teaches her friend how to hunt. So by teaching the player, they don't necessarily like be like, oh, Aloy has to learn to hunt again and how to craft. No, what happens is Aloy's teaching somebody else so that you know how to as a player because she's capable. I, just, I love it. Oh, anyway, what was your favorite game? <laughs> So I've got two listed down here because I couldn't pick just one of things. The first one I'm going to go with, uh, actually looking through the list of 2022 game releases, I don't think I actually played a 2022 game except for the game Tunic. Uh, But the first game I really want to talk about is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which I did not play, but I watched Ricky play. And this is basically Pokemon's version of Breath of the Wild, <laughs> but they did a lot of little things that I I think improve on the Pokemon gameplay, which I'm not an expert on. I have only ever played Pokemon Sword, and that game sucks ass because Hop is just the fucking worst. <laughs> he has so much unearned self-confidence, and I hate him. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus, and I think the coolest thing that they did in this game is that they they added in like a real time element to throwing Pokeballs. Oh, OK. In, in the standard Pokemon games, like basically it's Final Fantasy rules. You walk up to a thing and a random encounter happens or you see right, it and right. you walk up to it and an encounter happens. Where in this one, you can like creep up, get to a certain point and you can chuck a Pokeball at it and try and capture it without creating an encounter. Or you can throw your Pokemon and start a battle and you can eventually decide to throw a pokeball and i thought that was a really cool mechanic and it makes no sense to me that they did not implement that into scarlet or violet i haven't played either of those ricky has i haven't seen too much of the gameplay but they didn't implement that they just decided like hey let's make the legendaries available from the start and they're also going to be motorcycles like that's fucking dumb (laughs) i'm sorry okay but it's stupid ricky loves her scarlet legendary she thinks it looks like toothless i don't like it i think it looks stupid but that's just me but rcs looks fantastic from everything i've i know about it 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 plays wonderfully the only thing that it has any real issues that i can see is that there's like the standard pokemon rendering issues where they never really push the graphic capabilities of their system they just are like we know what this is it's 
a game mostly designed for players from age like 9 to 25 or 9 to 40. And we're not going to make this look like Breath of the Wild. We're just going to make it look like Pokemon, but we're going to take some Breath of the Wild elements and make it playable and good. As someone who has completely missed the uh, Pokemon train, is this not Ash Ketchum anymore or... As far as I know, Ash is never really the protagonist of the games. I don't know for sure. I am not a Pokemon master. I am not a Pokemon anything. I play Pokemon Go with my family because it's that's like the part of the game that I enjoy is the capturing and collecting anything else about Pokemon. I do not care. I don't care about the trading card game. I don't care about anything else. I understand the idea of collecting and I I have fun with that. But with Arceus and uh through sword and scarlet that i've seen you basically just get to create your character like oh i'm i'm chibi josh or whatever and i'm gonna go through this galler area or this other area and uh you just play the game but i I, from what i've seen of rcs again besides like the graphic limitations and just the, the there there is like this really weird formulaic problem that i think that the pokemon company has with their games where they're just like it's if it's not broke don't fix it we're not going to add voice acting to these because kids need to learn how to read or something a lot of the gameplay seems very basic but Arceus seemed like a good change of pace from the regular pokemon games but it i haven't played it so i can't really speak too much on it but i do like the encounter system Cool. So what was uh, what was your other game? The other game was Tunic, which I did talk about at length for uh, a guest spot that I had on the video game club, where it was just me and Slade. Tunic was is a Zelda clone. Uh, it has some like Dark Souls element to it. You play as a little fox who's got a green tunic and you have to go around and save the world. Uh, it's very similar to kind of a, a, I think it's Link's Awakening, the one where you're like playing through a dream. It looks adorable. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun, but it does take like a Dark Souls kind of turn where the boss fights are very difficult. And there's some puzzles in the game where like you have to look up a guide. Like, I don't know how anyone solved these things without a guide. Like if you did, I don't know how you did it, <laughs> but it, it's a lot of fun. And I aside from like the, the difficulty spikes in the boss fights, it I had a lot of fun with the game. It's just it's not a typical game that I would play because there are so many like context clues that i don't pick up on because i i do need my handheld i'm not the best gamer ever i will never claim How to be dare you that's fun i mean it even has a little link shield it's adorable yep, exactly i would recommend it if there was one flaw with the game i would say it's the parrying system because you you double click the right trigger and then there's like a half a second delay and then you'll parry but like none of your enemies have one of the those like wind up mechanics they just immediately mm. start hitting you so like you you can't be like oh they're about to hit oh they're about to hit double click the right trigger like there's for me there was no way i could figure out how to time or parry so i never used my shield but let's move on to favorite movies from 2022 um i know you're going to talk about top gun at length here so i'm going to start with <laughs> One of our best reviewed episodes, one of our most listened to episodes, uh, Prey, which was a Hulu exclusive from August this year. Uh, that was just probably, for me at least, the best action movie I saw this year because I still haven't seen Top Gun. Yeah, Prey was good. I need to rewatch that, actually. I really, like, I remember loving it when we reviewed it. And then it kind of just somewhat drifted away as my consciousness, and I haven't rewatched it. I need to go back to it. Well, we got inundated with so many TV shows. Like my my TV list from this year is just massive. 
So I gotta I gotta burn through that a little bit. Yeah, and then I was kind of like on my random horror movie binge from September to early November, and then I've been catching up on little things here and there. But oh, man, I really did love Prey. It was so well done. Yeah, it was uh, Dan Trachtenberg directed, and it is a really nice reintroduction to the Predator franchise. I'm I will be curious to see if they do a sequel and if they're going to con- kind of continue the story that was told through the credits. where um, our main character was kind of seemed to have been taken by the predators and like adopted Mm -hmm. into their culture. So uh, I'm very curious to see if they'll actually continue that or if that's going to be kind of shelved as like a one and done sort of thing, which I mean, nothing is one and done if it's well received anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got to know how that, that flintlock pistol ends up back on the predator ship to be handed to, to Danny Glover. I need to know. <laughs> so Top Gun Maverick, we did not. I don't, I think I've mentioned that I, that I went and saw, but I don't think we reviewed it. Did we? No, we did not review yeah. it uh, because I was on the road when that came out. And then it just became a timing issue where like, there's no reason to review it because it had been out for so long. <laughs> but at the same time it had been out for so long that it was amazing. Cause it just kept going and going. Yeah. And I also have a weird thing with Tom Cruise where like, he's a horrible person and I try not to see his movies when I can, but I, I am so upset at myself that I will be at mission impossible seven when that comes out, like opening night. <laughs> now to protect ourselves from lawsuits, you alleged, you believe allegedly he's a horrible person. <laughs> oh no. He's, he's definitely a horrible person. Oh, he's litigious. <laughs> he just, he has that charisma that people kind of forgive his horribleness. But like the fact that he surrounds himself with a bunch of people that could look similar to Katie Holmes in certain angles and allegedly just, it, it, it creeps me out. Allegedly. It creeps me out. Allegedly. He's a horrible person who is mentally allegedly. abusive to his partners. Allegedly. And he's in a cult. Allegedly. And he is just an awful person. As your lawyer, allegedly. He makes damn good movies and I hate it. Okay, that part the that part is uh we can't contest in court. He does make damn good movies. <laughs> so my favorite movie of this year is going to be Top Gun Maverick. Um it's now out on Paramount Plus as I posted on the socials. <laughs> so Yeah, anything praising a Tom Cruise movie is coming from Alex, <laughs> by the way. That's my disclaimer. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so there are things you can pick at the movie that uh, obviously are just issues that um uh, there's a little bit of pacing the third act goes off a little off the deep end for about the last six or seven minutes and then buys itself back but the biggest thing about the movie is that it's just a well-done story it like the first one they never mentioned that it's obviously the russians that you know that were that were fighting or whatever so that in so that makes it kind of timeless it's just the enemy the enemy fighter jets we're going against this one does a very similar thing where they mention it's a rogue nation and it's a different military power and they never reference even though it seems kind of obvious they're probably suggesting iran or something like that and it it continues maverick's story in that he is still himself as this kind of hotshot fighter pilot, but instead of really tearing down him down, 
that he's kind of like a washed up kind of loser who can't get out of the military kind of thing. They give you reasons as to why he wants to stay in the military, why he wants to be a fighter pilot and hasn't been promoted to a desk job. And there are a lot of callbacks to the original. Some of them are a little like a kind of on the nose because, of course, there's another beach scene, kind of volleyball, volleyball-esque scene. But it also works in the moment because it's nostalgia and callbacks that are done without necessarily hammering you over the head how important this is or you should be cheering right now because of this line drop. I, I admit I cried because there is a beautiful scene with Iceman and him where you see Val Kimmer's always been a fantastic actor, but Val Kimmer has gone through a lot of personal things over the last 10 years where he's had cancer of the throat and some other stuff happen where he's lost his voice and it's obviously changed how he looks, but there is an amazing scene where Iceman and Maverick talk to each other about basically their journey over the last 35 years or whatever since the first movie came out. It's almost speaking about their career paths as actors, where, you know, kind of Tom Cruise has always remained like this, um, this you know, not catastrophic, um, this explosion of an actor. He, yeah, who's always just been in the air. I mean, he's in the zeitgeist continuously as I make these big movies. Whereas... Val Kilmer kind of like took a different path where he isn't a fighter pilot anymore. He became, you know, he went the career path of like character actor and, you know, kind of legacy, legacy person who's a background person now, especially with his health issues. And it's almost a commentary on that. And it is done so well where you actually see these two iconic generation, you know, generation transcending stars just have an emotional moment with each other that I just kind of cried a bit. I was just like, because I am seeing now as a 38 year old man, I'm seeing these aging actors who have been in many various forms, my you know, heroes, you know, cinematic heroes kind of acknowledge that their time is passing by very, very quickly and how they acknowledge that with each other, especially, you know, like Val Kilmer, I, I, I mean, I ever once in a while like being snarky. I just say the Doc Holiday line from Tombstone of like, "I'll be your Huckleberry," <laughs> and there's just it's just so beautiful. There's just good moments, and the action, of course, is fantastic because they actually filmed the damn thing in actual jets and stuff like that. It's just it's a good movie where it's an acknowledgement of the past, a look to the future, and it tries to make itself timeless without by its references almost or of itself rather than of a cultural moment. And I really just, I really dug it. Speaking of underappreciated things, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, that's another one of my favorite movies from 2022. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to talk too much about it because you really can't dive too deep into it without spoiling things. But essentially uh, Michelle Yeoh plays a character who has become a chosen one, kind of like Neo in the matrix, but in a much more clever way, or I should say in a more, not in a more like the matrix is the matrix for a reason, but like it's not that blatantly of a ripoff. Like they, they, they do it well enough that you're like, this is fun. Um, But the way she acquires new abilities is she taps into the multiverse and she taps into one of her other 
multiversal lives and absorbs their skills by basically connecting their consciousness. So she's existing in her multiverse self and her present self. And it, it, it's a beautiful movie. And I, I, it's funny, but it's heartfelt. There's a moment where two rocks talk to each other in complete silence and you're going to cry. And it's just fantastic. Oh, and then the other movie that I saw this year that I really just like has stuck with me um, is the unbearable weight of massive talent, which I did not think I would enjoy that movie <laughs> as much as I did. Heck yeah. Uh, but it is, it is so good. And apparently it's one of the biggest box office bombs of the year, but I think that's probably because a lot of people were in the same boat as I was, where I was like, I'm not going to spend money to see this movie about Nick cage giving himself a blow job. <laughs> like that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't happen in the movie, but it, it kind of, fe- if you watch the trailer, it kind of feels that way where it's like, this is just Nick cage trying to be like, Oh, people are making fun of me because I make 35 movies a year at a million dollars a pop. And uh, yeah. it, it's, it's so good. And it's so fun. And I, I think Pedro Pascal really kind of steals the show in the movie, mm-hmm. but it, Nick cage does a fantastic job as well. I do think the wig is a little distracting, uh, just because we know that's not his actual hair. His hairline is much further back, but he has <laughs> like Chris Evans hair from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. You're like, that's not your hair, man. Like <laughs> just <laughs> accept it. But the movie is a lot of fun. And like, I don't, I don't like gratuitous drug scenes, but this movie has a gratuitous drug scene that is hilarious. So I, I didn't realize we were going to, uh, we're going to, um, we're going to acknowledge multiple movies. So I yeah, I can't out. peg just one thing as like my favorite, <laughs> so I can't. So I will throw out my probably second favorite movie of the year, which is Violent Night. David Harbour as a Viking Santa Claus is fantastic. <laughs> I, it was a movie that came out and knew exactly what it wanted to be, which is that we're going to have Santa and we're going to recreate Die Hard. And in the movie, they acknowledge <laughs> that because he even like at one point is like beating people up and his and to protect himself, he moves his like bag in the way and they stab into it. And the person pulls out presents and he knows, of course, where the presents are. And he's like, and he says even something along the lines of like Frederick's diehard collection on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and then at one point uh, he, cause you know, Trudy, the little girl, he has her, he, she's like, okay, I'm going to start preparing the house. Like home alone. <laughs> <laughs> it knows what it wants to be. And I love movies like that. I mean, you know, you would expect me to say something like the one of the Marvel movies or something like that, but you know. oh, I, people were probably expecting the same for me. Like I, I would give an honorable mention to Wakanda forever, but I do think the black, like getting to the Black Panther stuff in the final act really kind of hurts the movie. I, I can't really say that like Multiverse of Madness or especially Thor Love and Thunder were like a, my favorite things. Like Multiverse of Madness was a lot of fun. Thor Love and Thunder was not. Um, but I will get into some Marvel stuff when we start talking TV here in a second. Speaking of which, I'll go first. Yes. Um... All right. So I've got. Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got eight things on TV. I, I was just, you already claimed first go. So (laughs) yeah, like I said, I can't pick just one, but I'm going to, can I take a guess as to what your one is? Yes. Uh, Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for three questions to see if I can't figure it out. 
Okay. Is it on streaming service? No. But yes. Oh, damn. No, but yes. Hmm. Then I have no idea. I was going to say it was probably Wednesday, but uh, no, then uh, I did. No, but yes, that. I don't know. I will be mentioning that, but it was on streaming service. Uh, so I'm choosing this film as for and this TV show is 2022 because it came its new season came out in 2022. I love what we do in the shadows. It is the that doesn't count. That's in like season six. Uh, <clears throat> four. Season four. <laughs> it's been renewed it's been around through for season like six. Ten years. Yes, because it's <laughs> taking the British model of like six episodes every 18 to 24 months. But I love it. It has an conti- ongoing continuous storyline, which is fantastic for a sitcom, you know, which is rare for most sitcoms where they're very much are bottle episodes. But it continues a through line of changing characters and characters' motivations and storylines and reasonings. And just when you think a, a show about vampires living in New Jersey cannot get any weirder, this season they introduced magic wish-giving genies. <laughs> One of the characters was CGI'd into a baby for a while, and then a teenager. Oh yeah, an adult. Colin Robinson. Yes, and they start and burn down a nightclub like all within like four episodes. It is so <laughs> weird, but it's the kind of on-demand, just in the moment viewing that I actually love. And when I see it pop up on my DVR, I get I'm so happy it's back. I don't think I've started a new show this year that came out this year other than Wednesday, actually. So then let's, let's talk a little bit about Wednesday. Cause I, I did want to do that. Um, we had an episode lined up where we were going to talk a little bit about it, but it, uh, I did talk about the pilot episode, uh, on the last, what you doing, but I, I've finished this show since then. And it is, I, I hate to admit how good it is. Because the original <laughs> premise that they released with this show, like you were with me. Don't yep. be laughing at me. You, you were with me. We were hating on this oh, show left oh, and right. Like there's oh, no reason for the way this premise laid out. There's no reason for the show to end it up as good as it is because the premise was like, oh, it's a grown up Wednesday. She's got powers where she can see the future and she's going to be mm-hmm. solving crimes. It's like, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And it's so much better than what that premise came out with. And like, it's, it's like CW and HBO had a kid and it was this show. And I still hate the monster. Like the monster still looks too much like a Tim Burton product, but everything else about the show, I feel like is is just on point. Like, I don't get how they got that past the CGI bullshit detector. (laughs) Like I, I don't because it's, it's Tim terrible. Burton. Like it, it had to look, it had to look something like Tim Burton. Yeah, but I mean, Beetlejuice still holds up for the most part, and it doesn't look like that bad. I, but no, it's fun. I like the show. I like the cast that they have around her, and yeah, I mean, my wife and I around episode four were like, "It's these people, right?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." And it took forever to get there, but it got there. Yeah, well, I mean, it followed Still like the, the glass onion model of who's the next famous person. Yeah, it's it's just fun, and it's light, and it's kind of yeah, cute, it, and it is gorgeous. You get to like look just at. enough Adams Family stuff too to like yeah. satisfy the fact that it's an Adams Family spinoff, but it it holds up as on its own really well. 
it makes you feel for thing, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ricky other... let out an audible gasp at that one moment with, uh, with thing. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh no, I will contend. The only thing that really pisses me off about the mo- the show is I do not accept the premise that the family sees Wednesday as an outcast and a problem and has to send her away. When you look at the TV, when you look at the source material of the TV shows, the original comic, which admittedly most of the comic actually didn't have dialogue. It's just little panels and stuff like that of them doing stuff. And it's kind of, you know, it was weird because they're kooky. But when you, when the generational collective understanding of these characters is the TV shows and the movies that the family sees her as an issue and has to kind of like get her, get rid of her doesn't track motivationally for them. Um, See, I, I didn't, ca- I didn't that. take it that way. I took it more as they wanted her to find a place to belong because she yeah. intentionally makes herself an outcast. She's socially distant from people. She doesn't care about connecting with people. And for whatever reason, she resents Morticia and Morticia is just trying to be a mother to her. And yeah. it, 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 it's, I don't take it as like the family's being like, Oh, Wednesday, you're too weird. You need to go to this school. I think it's more, we want you to try and have these life experiences that we had, even though you have no interest in them, or at least you say you don't. Yeah, but it's so kind of weird though. Like talk about like eight schools in like four years or five years or whatever, and that this is your final hope kind of thing. Don't get kicked out of this one. It's so, it just rubs wrong in many ways. Yeah, because technically they, in a way they shouldn't care about public school education because they're all actually like smarter than everyone else anyway, because they have such a, a weird worldview that they don't buy into all the, the whitewashed history of the world. They, uh, they know that Columbus was an asshole. They know that the, the crusades were not a holy war and all this sort of stuff, but they also like appreciate the death of it all. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, but, but Gomez was, is, is miscast. <laughs> I understand the actor. <laughs> yeah. Looks, sorry, Antonio. Yeah. It looks accurate for the role. I, for to the character, but I do not buy those lines coming out of that mouth. And I do not no. buy the, the chemistry or come sorry, the lack thereof of him and Morticia. He, the voice is just not right. Like maybe he, he might have the look, but the voice isn't right. Yeah. Those two are swinging a miss. And I'm actually really surprised by how well they did Fester. I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, this actually is working. Yeah. Fred Armisen as uncle Fester was really, really kind of engaging. Yeah. But I mean, you move that motivation aside, which took me two or three episodes to kind of get through because I'm like, like, why does the family care about this? Why are they like acting like this with each other? What the hell? Why is Wednesday so pissed off? This is what the the family, this doesn't make sense. What, What the hell is going on here? Once it got past that, I was like, I really just dug it. And her friend, her happy-go-lucky friend was fantastic. Her werewolf friend that can't wolf out was just amazing. Yes. It was just a lovely foil. It's a really good supporting cast. I think the only one I really did not care for is the artist kid. Yeah. He's obviously meant to be really off-putting at first, but like... Like I said, this is like a CW show where everyone's like way too beautiful to be who they are and what they're doing. But like 
he does not fit that type at all. And they're clearly setting him up to be a kind of love interest down the line if they get to future seasons, which I'm sure Netflix has already greenlit like season two, three and four. But uh, I just I, I don't buy him as like, oh, he's the most handsome boy in school. Like, no. Yeah. I mean, he should have been wearing a red shirt with a fish on it as much <laughs> the second he walked on camera. I mean, I did get some of his like pain from that or whatever to touch briefly on the dance, which is fun and cute. Something that could slightly irk the shit out of me that I wonder if it was a CW note is that they get carried because, of course, they have to get carried with, you know, the, you know, the normies attack, you know, put what looks like blood into the pipe system and get sprays all the outcasts for the outcast school. And it in the end Wednesday like licks it off of her is just loving the moment and like licks it off of herself and then it's like oh it's paint should have been blood I was like they back up a sewer tanker of paint <laughs> that is way more expensive than blood have you been to Home Depot or Lowe's lately and priced it down <laughs> on the paint or I mean well they're uh, the rich kids anyway so like who cares you're talking like ten twenty grand of paint mommy and daddy's credit cards can afford it. I I mean, if not like fifty for a suit, like a tinker, it would be much cheaper to swing by a slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and I watch Dirty Jobs. I know you can buy it <laughs> on the cheap. Well, well, to also kind of talk about that dance scene, which again, super cute, fun. Apparently, Jenna Ortega had COVID while filming that scene, and yeah. that's not something to be praised. Production needed to be shut down, and she needed to get healthy. Yeah, there was a. She lot should not have been filming. There's a lot of weird stories about that coming out about like, oh, yeah, well, she said she was, you know, we said she was sick and we immediately tested her, but the results wouldn't come back for several hours. We just filmed around it. And I know how movie filming goes. And I've been watching like a lot of the, you know, I I enjoy the minutia of what, how things are filmed and what goes on, especially all like the filming regulations and stuff for COVID that had that studios have had to or not had to follow depending on which states, cities, or even, like, counties are in. And I'm sorry, can they not afford a rapid test? Especially when you're around... Because basically the way COVID regulations were is that there are, they make different um, levels where you're allowed to stand and or be during um, during filming. And one of them, like, you know, and you have, like, the main cast are supposed to be within their own little bubble. And then you have, like, supporting cast, guest stars, which are in a secondary bubble. And then you have extras, which are, like, a third bubble. And then you have the directors who are their own bubble, the editors and that bubble, all this crazy crap. That's why Tom Cruise went nuts last year and that audio leaked about him yelling at people for breaking protocols. Which, by the way, I'm on his side because COVID's a real thing. That they chose to ignore all that when she woke up saying, I feel terrible, sore throat, headache, fever, all this crap. And they were like, and they briefly tested her and then decided to wait for hours or wait hours and keep filming until they got a result is a little suspect of what's going on. It's kind of weird. Like, because there's been conflicting storylines about how the testing went and when they supposedly didn't feel well compared to, but that's all its own thing. But it is a cute as hell dance. And yes. I, there's a goth singer that I've followed forever named Voltaire, who released a book in the late 90s called What is Goth that has how to dance like a goth. And a lot of those little moves are in there because those are just goth moves from the 70s and 80s goth clubs, <laughs> nice. of which he is a 
Cabaret Singer 4. So Wednesday, must-see, favorite oh, things yeah. from uh, 2022. So to kind of break into my list here real quick, because we've talked about these at the show, we don't need to dive into them. She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel, still a lot of fun. Things I would definitely recommend. Um, Andor, probably the best Star Wars thing we've seen since Empire. Maybe Rogue One, if you want to argue. We talked about House of the Dragon, and I still find it obscene that our guy, Patty Considine, did not get nominated for a Golden Globe. Yep. I don't know if it was just like overpacked or if Discovery didn't want more positive press for their product that they bought for however billion dollars. And like they just did not submit him for nomination because they, they didn't want positive press surrounding this. I don't know. But Patty Considine is an amazing actor in that show and he carries that show. By the time he's gone, the last two episodes are I'm like, I, I want I want I want Viserys back. Um, but other things we didn't talk about this year. Uh, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite thing or a favorite thing from this year, but the Halo series from Paramount Plus, it was interesting. It was something that I did want to talk about on the show, but we we uh, we had like the super massive interview come up. And it, it just kept, it kept getting pushed. And it's like, all right, it, at this point, it's just not worth talking about. But it, I, I think it's kind of worth watching. I don't know if it's something that is for everyone because it does definitely drag and they're busy setting up the finale. And I think they, they definitely could have gotten there faster. There's a storyline that they're setting up for more stuff in season two, but it goes nowhere really in season one. And it's just annoying. So I will briefly mention three other shows that I completed and liked from this from this year that actually came out this year as is the so rules. I'm going to lump these to, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to lump these together as one show Reacher and The Terminalist. The reason why I'm leaping the lumping these together as one show is because they're both about overly buff ex-military or current military dudes who go on a rampage mission to solve a murder that's affecting their lives. Now I loved Reacher because while the Tom Cruise Reacher movies were fun, he was not a 6'6 huge dude who could intimidate anybody while walking into a room and beating the crap out of them. The Reacher show rectifies that. But it also has some of the best action that I've just seen in a made-for-TV show that I wish more movies would just wantonly steal and actually have filmed because it seems like we're kind of getting that John Wick actually controlled action, good camera clarity in movies, but it's just taking so long to get there. And the terminalist again, is just a military dude with clear action and a interesting, an interesting plot line involving a murder that has to be solved. And I really like that we're getting slightly different kind of procedural TV shows on streaming that aren't just we're a private eye or we're a police force. And eh, you could argue that there's some weird politicky things that are ha- you know that could happen that some people might say, well, this is this point of view or this is the other. I don't give a crap about that. I just like a good, well-made story that I can actually cohesively understand and follow. Those two shows. And uh, they- I will say for Reacher. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. Uh, but I will say for Reacher, Alan Richardson, uh, I haven't watched the show, but Alan Richardson, who plays Jack Reacher, he he definitely upgraded from playing a semi-regular role on Titans to this. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I know this is already better quality than Titans because Titans sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with that. Titan does suck. Uh, season four of Titans started and I'm I'm dreading starting that. My last thing would be Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. It is a um, anthology series that came out on Netflix and was probably the best thing I watched that was the best horror thing I watched during my September to November binge of old and new horror movies. I mean, I, I liked Nope. I liked, I, I really loved Smile. Um, the new Halloween was, but Cabinet of Curiosities was just, I think, eight episodes of basically stories he picked and then had his friends write and film. And he handpicked the, the writers and you know, the writer directors and some of the cast. And it was just, it was lovely to see well-made and like 30 to hour long uh, episodes of horror. Very, and obviously he's a fan of Hitchcock of like wanting to tell creepy stories or like morality tales that aren't quite um, outer limits or dang, dang it. I can't think of the other one from the sixties that came back so many times. It's a creepy show. Zone? Thank you. Twilight Zone. That's the scary door. yeah uh so for me the last two tv shows that i really have um uh one is a series of shorts uh from disney plus called baymax which just kind of continues the story of baymax as a as a a healthcare companion and they're all just super cute and i love them and there's some great representation going on there and uh it just there's an episode where a girl gets her period for the first time and it, it happened like shortly after turning red came out. And I think Baymax actually kind of handled that a little bit better because it wasn't distracted by telling a story of becoming a giant red panda and family drama as well. But I mean, turning red was cute. I enjoyed that one a lot, but the, the Baymax episode, it just, it hits you in the feels, especially as a parent of is, is something that really, gave me a bearing on how to go when those sort of situations happen. Uh, but the other show that I wanted to talk about was rings of power, which um, again, I, I wanted to do like a review episode for it, but I didn't finish it in time where it would be timely. And then we just kind of kept doing other things and we just never got around to it, but I, I enjoyed it for what it is. Like it's yes, it's a slow burn, but I I liked the building of the the mythology of Middle Earth and like as someone who's not just completely inundated into the Tolkien lore, I know enough about Lord of the Rings through the movies that I'm like, oh, this is building towards this. Oh, this is building towards this. So it's kind of exciting to see where all these things are going. But also just because I don't know everything, there's still lots of turns and surprises that happen. I'm quiet because... I have nothing kind to say. And we said we were going to be nice on this episode. It's true. Even though I've already dissed DC's Titans a few times and uh, a few other things, but yeah, you're not going to talk about talk bad about one of my favorite things from this year. No, no. So let's move on. Um, Our favorite relaxing activity for 2022. You skipped over my suggestion of TV show of previous year that I watched. How dare you? We were talking about the previous year. I didn't understand what you meant by the previous year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you jackass 
you you said 2022 previous year and like yeah 2022 is now the previous year i don't know what the heck the difference is between favorite tv show of 2022 <laughs> and pre- favorite tv show of the previous year because 2022 is the previous year fine i won't talk about my x-files rewatch i will move on <laughs> to relaxing activity <laughs> thank you you should have been more clear in your suggestions <laughs> something that came out 48 years ago <laughs> That's not anywhere near the theme, but I, I, I'm not going to break any everyone's eardrums by trying to whistle. <laughs> anyway, this year was the year that I got back to playing Dungeons and Dragons truly in person again. And see, I find as I've you know I've mentioned, so I won't go into it too long, but I find role play relaxing. I find running running a game relaxing. Um, I've been able to this year kind of retire a little bit my forever DM hat and because one of my friends asked me to be in his game and I've been able to be in his game. My uh, my wife has been started running her own game as well. So I actually get to make characters and play in others. And there are several different schools of thought. And like, you know, if you're a bit of a Groganard and you look at D&D, you look at it as... It's the players versus the DM, and the, it's a con- contest of wills to crush your crush the DM and ruin their plans. And then, of course, you know the DM is supposed to be the person who wants to just smash their feelings and wreck them and kill their characters. But no, D- Dungeons Dragons over the last quite a long while, and especially with its resurgence in the last ten years or so, has become about as a cooperative storytelling space where yes, characters can and should die. The DM should be challenging the characters. But what I like about that find relaxing and enjoyable about playing this year is a three-year campaign. My campaign is going on right now is winding to a close and the characters are like level 15. Now they are being really challenged. They're finding out the last of the story missions or making their plans to save the world. And then also my spouse started her game and she ended the first big arc of it, told the story that she wanted to. And it was so lovely seeing the other characters' reactions to her story, mine as well, because I didn't know about it, what was going on. But also her joy in completing a story that she came up with something. She's you know been playing for less, like with me for like the last 12, 15 years in different um, other people's games. But she's taking control and running her own game and her own part of the world. And leading people through it and seeing her joy as people make revelations and intuitive leaps, but also add lore to her story that she's like, Oh, that's good. Cause every DM does that. They have, you just have gaps in your world that you don't know what to do with. And your players will sometimes just fill in a gap and you're like, perfect <laughs> plot solved. <laughs> and that's what I've been really enjoying this year is the relax. Like I look forward to, playing Dungeons and Dragons with friends, playing Vampire the Masquerade, playing Hunter the Reckoning, my weekly or bi-weekly games. All right. Well, for me, uh, when I have the time, either prior to bed or when the kids are off at school and I don't have to deal with work stuff, uh, reading comics has been my relaxing activity. Uh, it just kind of like your D&D thing where just immersing myself in these stories and uh, in these worlds and with these characters, it just, it, it takes my, my brain off of all the crappy things going on in the world. That, that's kind of it for me. Our, our next activity, I'm going to kind of go a little deeper because I, I could say like my, my relaxing activity is podcasting. Um, <laughs> but I think it fits more into this next thing, which is a uh, favorite friend activity from 2022, which for me, it has been podcasting. 
Um, I've made some great relationships and friends through the podcast community in the last year. I created this podcast so I can have these nerd talks with my friends that I've made uh, through work and just personal uh, like school and everything. I've known Matt since junior high. So like just all these friendships and relationships that I've had and that I have created through the podcast. That, that's been my favorite thing for this last year. Like not saying that I didn't enjoy time with my family. Um, like I, my family and I went to Disney world for two weeks in February this last year. And that was a lot of fun, but like the, this category's favorite friend activity, which I mean, my family, <laughs> I would say they're my friends, but I don't think that's exactly what we're going for. So like, I'm going to give a, a bunch of quick shout outs here. Video game club. Thank you for having me on for the, uh, Jedi fallen order episode, as well as the tunic episode, even though unfortunately Tim and Joey couldn't be there. Antonio at the cult worthy. Thank you for goofy movie episode and the, the father's day episode silver screen savers for the greatest beer run ever uh, review it yourself. Sean, you're amazing. I don't know how you put out like 18 podcasts, but you do. And you put out so many episodes per week that I, I don't know how you have time for anything else. Uh, Multiverse of badness, Mike, thank you so much for having me on and just the fun that we had there. Brendan and Matt at Unsheft, our good burger episode. I honestly listened to that episode probably once every three months just because it was such a fun conversation. And I love just talking about it and hearing us talk about Good Burger. It's such a good time. And uh, I know I've been on a few other podcasts, but they're not coming to mind off the top of my head here. And I, I apologize, but thank you. Oh, Raphael at the, the Geeky Dad, uh, Caesar at No One Fifteen, Special K and Matt at the. Uh, uh, oh God. <laughs> Um, the for real podcast. There we go. Sorry guys. Uh, it's, it's almost 10 o'clock at night and I got like five hours of sleep last night. Cause last night was new year's Eve. So it's, it's just a day and <laughs> we're, we're winding down here. Uh, but thank you to everyone who has reached out to me and, or everyone else on the podcast. And especially thank you to Alex, Matt, Becky, Beppo, uh, Scotty Lewis, Everyone who's on the thumbnail, Ricky, it, this year has been so much fun because of the podcast and like my favorite friend activity because I love all you guys. And again, just the relationships and friendships that this podcast has created and built upon uh, just kind of reinforced. Uh, it's just been fantastic. And I appreciate everything that everyone has done for us this last year. And also shout out to Josh and Amanda Wilson from Super Familiar with the Wilsons, Karen and Ann at Sugarcoated Murder. Matt at Decaying with the Boys, Justin at the Movie Wire, all you guys, love you guys. Thank you so much for just being supportive of us this last year. Alex, what were some of your favorite for next for this year? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, like for, we should probably edit this so that my response is before yours. <laughs> no, lovely. you get to follow that up. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go with video games. I started kind of getting out of the house a little bit. Sorry, more. I don't mean to laugh, but it's like it's it's such a a weird like. Oh, Josh, you you made friends and did things with people, and <laughs> I sat in front of my TV with a controller in my hand and watched stories that I was interacting with. No, no, um, kind of, but <laughs> but it's it, it's group. But I had my I, cats I, and my my wife next to me that. <laughs> No, we were talking about friend activity. So obviously you're talking about multiplayer games where you're playing yeah. with people. Yeah, I'm a huge Destiny 2 fan. Um, 
which is somewhat difficult to defend these days with how microtransaction they try to be. Um, but I have several friends who I play that with, and I like I, and being able to group up with them and just play with them. And then you know, some of my friends shifted over to Call of Duty, the Warzone, which is just you know, jump in there, which has been really fun. Um, my brother and I have been playing Dead by Daylight together. We were moving um, to Evil Dead, the game, which that's a franchise that won't die and it's the really fun game actually we've been playing that together um there's a mod that we're going to use to play resident evil 5 and 6 together my brother and i which is going to be really fun to do um it's it's a way to interact with friends and family that spans the distance and is not as painful as a phone call which yeah i'm i am starting to become really one of those people who if you call me i might hit hit google screen this call (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why aren't you just texting me or sending me a discord but there's a different expectation and weight that if like hey i'm gonna call you or text or whatever or like okay let's go meet up for lunch or maybe play a board game or something like that and like learn something new there's a different expectation where like we can just stay at our homes and we can put a few rounds together of a game 20 minutes you know an hour hour and a half whatever we might have and while we are being distracted by these flashy you know pixels and lights and explosions we also are talking. We're talking about our day. We're like kind of we're encouraging each other, like, hey, you know, blah blah. Someone's going from the right. Hey, I need healing. Oh, the bad guy's over there. I think. Oh my god, the guy's coming to kill me. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> and I like that. And um, that's what I also mentioned. It takes two when I said my favorite game of the year because there's not many couch co-op games still being made because of the push for online only, continuously updated games as a service kind of thing going on. So that. Yeah, I can just pop on the couch with my spouse and play It Takes Two or the Sackboy Adventure, and there's a Sackboy Racing game that we're going to play. Have you guys tried A Way Out yet? That Actually, It Takes Two is by A Way Out. That was yeah, that's why I was game. asking. I have not. I was debating getting it. Is it any good? I think it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's kind of like Shawshank meets The Fugitive meets oh. Scarface. I'm going to give that a shot then. Like, there's not a whole lot of games that also do couch co- Like, Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, and I think Baldur's Gate, they're doing Baldur's Gate 3, is going to have that. But it's difficult to find a lot of games like that lately. But when it can, it's good. And I like that. I like the that video games should be, in my opinion, unless it's like a solar player game or something like that, some kind of, there should be a little bit of a relaxing communal aspect. And that's why, and that's why friend activity, other than D&D, is video games because they take a lot of the pressure way of having to communicate and be real with people but also they give you a an ease of access to communicate move from topic to topic and also build something together i can definitely understand that that's that's where so many of my friendships with gamestop employees were solidified and that's where scotty becky and i are lewis as well uh we all just kind of we worked together, but then we also played together and it just blossomed those friendships. Uh, so let's move into our final category here, which is favorite comics and or books that we've read this year. Uh, Alex, I'll let you take uh, take the lead on this one. My favorite comic this year is Something is Killing the Children. I The writer's main writer's name is Taylor something the fourth. I always forget his name. I know he had a long Batman run for a while. And he's now, and this is now the uh, James Ty- uh, Tinian the Fourth. That's his name. I saw the title and was like, "What? 
okay, this is kind of odd. But I was just intrigued enough by, and especially the main character's name is Erica Slaughter, where I'm like, something's killing children, and the heroine's name is Erica Slaughter. Okay, this is going to be so bad. But I'm a sucker for, you know, horror movies and gore and stuff like that. So I picked it up. And what I found instead was a compelling story about loss and revenge, um, trauma of childhood, and uh, looking for a protector. And I was just kind of, sh- and I bought the, like, because it came out on the original, like, one through issues one through five were in trade paperback that came out and i picked them up and then i saw six through ten was coming out like right afterwards and i immediately bought that one and the um then they put a big omnibus together for a one through 15 in november and i picked that up even though i had already bought the first three i just really am invested in this world in which the monster hunters are real and you know the monster under your bed as a child might actually be real as well and it just gets me. Um, I didn't have the greatest childhood and don't need to go into anything like that. But having that kind of conceptualized in a more, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say romantic way, but it's good. And I am impressed by how mature the storyline is and how invested I am in finding out if Erica Slaughter will kind of avenge the children that are being hunted. That's my favorite comic book. Just to kind of throw a suggestion out there. If you're, if you enjoy horror comics, maniac in New York is another good one to look into. It's basically this world where um, it's New York, obviously, but it's this world where this killer has been striking and the general public kind of like what happened with masks during the pandemic, the general public, or at least portions of the, the public, have decided they don't care anymore. They're going to live their lives and they're going to, if they get killed, they get killed. And so like the, there's no MO to what the killer is doing. It's more or less an allegory for like global warming, but it, it's so intriguing as to how the people in this world are responding to the killer, like responding publicly about the killer, because again, they, they might get killed tonight by the killer, but they don't care. They're, they're going to live their lives until they, they don't have one anymore. Uh, so maniac in New York, uh, from aftershock comics, uh, written by Elliot Callen and art by Andrea Moody. Um, but another really good horror comic that I could recommend would be infidel, which is a little bit older, but, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the writer's name at the moment. I, I'm not going to grab my phone and type it out real quick. Uh, but Jason Campbell does the art as well. And the art is just gorgeous despite this being a horror story and it, it's it's so cool and like those are two horror books i would recommend which i'm i'm not a horror person at all but maniac in new york and infidel would be two really strong recommendations for me for horror comic readers yeah i mean part of the reason why i, I get like comics like this is like either the new series are ongoing or they're like just kind of like limited run series is that i i I have debated trying to like pick up like Spider-Man, Batman, you know, Thor, like pick a like Deadpool or something. And I can just get so overwhelmed with like, there's like 17 series. Which one do I start on? Do I have to have read the original 900 before starting this? Why is there a new Spider-Man one Deadpool 17? I, I look for different series like that. You know, like I like the trade paperbacks. Like, okay, okay. One through five. And this is an interesting title or something like that. 
like I did for a long time read the Amanda Connors run, a uh, Harley Quinn run, but then like she left it, and I'm like, oh, so <laughs> it so I'm more drawn to like things like that where it's like something a little off the side, something where I don't expect it to run 70, 70 issues that seems to have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of that more from the independent comic writers than you are gonna get from like Marvel because obviously they they really can't end the story because they need to keep going so they can keep making money like on our discord which you should join our discord if you haven't matt talks about the new amazing spider-man run every now and then where uh there's a guy who back in the the 80s was just a guy with a shotgun but in this current run he was resurrected and now his shotgun can absolve sins he's called the sin eater and um he he shoots norman osborne with this magic shotgun and now norman osborne is like cleansed of the goblin spirit essentially but he still has like the goblin powers if he like the, the super soldier serum essentially and uh he's he's dealing with like the mental trauma of like if i get on a glider if i put on a suit again will the goblin come back what's going to happen it, like it's really good and interesting stuff but it's such a deep cut to be like oh by the way there's this guy from the 80s who was once hired to try and kill spider-man with a shotgun we just resurrected him and now he has superpowers and he's giving people second chances and forgiving their sins and whatnot. Like it's, it's, it's weird, but it, it's good stuff. Um, but amazing Spider-Man is on my list because it, th- there's some good stuff going on. There's uh, a new Ben Riley storyline going on that like, even for someone like me who hasn't been reading Spider-Man conti- continually since the clone saga, I'm able to follow it pretty well even though there is some like X-Men tie in stuff happening right now as well. Nightwing Tom Taylor's run started back in like 2021, I believe, but it's, it's been going on to a point where people started really hyping it up. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's read this on DC universe. Oh man, this is really good. So I picked up, I, I like went back on eBay and bought as many back issues as I could and caught up on the single issues. And yeah, it's uh, Tom Taylor's Nightwing is fantastic. Bruno Redondo on art is just Fantastic. And then uh, the other thing that obviously anyone who has listened to me for the last year, <laughs> anything within the massive verse, pick it up as soon as you can because Radiant Black, uh, Supermassive, The Dead Lucky, Rogue Sun, all of it is just fantastic. It's great stuff and it's really engaging. Rogue Sun is probably my favorite one from this last year. Um, Infernal Girl Red is probably right behind it, even though technically single issues of that are coming out starting this month. But I, I backed the Kickstarter, so I got a digital copy early. Ooh. Rogue Sun's just so cool. Uh, it's about a son who takes on the mantle of the the superhero Rogue Sun from his father, who is estranged. And so he hates his father, but... The catch is the previous rogue son will train the new rogue son through mystical elements within the suit. So like he has to learn how to be the rogue son while his dad is trying to teach him, but he hates his dad. So like it's really cool relationship stuff. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, strongly recommended. If it's tied to the massive verse, I would recommend reading it. And with that, I believe it is time to start wrapping up. <laughs> just like 2022 just did. <laughs> Way to tie it in. Yeah, put a bow on it. 
just like Boom. we did at Christmas. <laughs> I missed two weeks of all this stuff, so I, I've got a bunch of stuff uh, backlogged and ready to go in the in the, the the holster here. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. As I mentioned earlier, please join our Discord. There's a link in the episode description. Uh, lots of fun conversations right now, like Matt is pretending to be former Nintendo America CEO, Reggie something or other. And it's driving oh, no. slave video game club insane. And it's hilarious. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes and Beppo and retro ale studios for our avatars. Please like subscribe, review, find us on your social media platform of choice. We aren't on Instagram or anything like that. We are on Twitter, Facebook, hive and post at the moment also youtube which i i would love to get more into streaming or let's plays or anything like that unfortunately i don't think we will have the time but i would like to do that somewhat semi-regularly we don't have any new episode or uh podcast reviews so we won't read those but please leave reviews as you're able or as you feel the want and uh we previously had guests on uh, for like the last three weeks. So <laughs> please follow Raphael on geeky dad. Please follow Caesar on no on 15. Please follow Justin at the movie wire. Please follow Karen and Ann at the sugar coated murder podcast and also buy their book. It's a great book. I started reading it and it's really interesting. So definitely recommend it for anyone who is a big true crime murder fan. Uh, Alex, who is doing our theme music this week? Uh, Lady Gaga has decided to grace us with her presence and write a ballad for us. This is because of Top Gun, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise is a horrible person. Allegedly. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening and take care. Bye. Tom Cruise sucks. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs>